Hi, and welcome to the Internet Marketing Show that gives you, amongst other things, simple, proven, and practical steps to build your very own successful online business. Here's your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. Hello, and welcome there to Session 8 of Great Communication Secrets Part 2. My name is Peter Beckenham, the Village Marketer, and in this session we're going to talk about mastering Q&A, mastering the question and answer sections of your presentation. Never, ever, ever underestimate the importance of taking questions and giving answers to build your credibility. A lot of people think I'll just wing it during the Q&A, right? But Q&A is actually when you establish your credibility. So don't wing it. Everybody knows that you can read the script and memorize the script, right? But when you go off script and the audience asks you questions, do you have the answers? That's where your credibility is being really tested. This is why mastering Q&A is so important for your credibility as well as getting your audience engaging with you after you finish your presentation. So here are some tips. First, when you get a question, always, always repeat the question. There are four reasons you want to do this. Firstly, usually you're the only one with a microphone, so if someone in the audience asks a question, Nobody else may be able to hear the question itself. And if you were filming a video on that particular day, the audience doesn't have microphones and you do. Now, we've probably all seen or watched a webinar or a video where the speaker goes into Q&A and you hear a silent time while the speaker is nodding to the audience member, right? You know they're asking a question, but you can't darn hear it. And all you can hear is the speaker saying, yes, that's really important. Next question. Well, then you're sitting there thinking, what in the heck was really important anyway? Sometimes, by the way, you may need to be in a small room and you don't need microphones. However, what a lot of people don't realise is the directional nature of voices. If somebody in the front row asks a question facing forward, the people behind them really struggle to hear because they can't see the person's face and the person is speaking in the other direction. So this is another reason to repeat the question for everybody's benefit. But another reason to repeat the question is it's going to give you time to think of an answer. And that is the important time because you don't want to give two answers. You just want to give one. Remember, it's your credibility on the line, okay? So you want to give one answer. And it's very common that when we're giving our answer, halfway through our first answer, we think, oh, here's a better answer. But don't do that. Even if it is better, don't change. You should always give one answer to a question. Don't give one answer and then think of a second answer and give a second answer. You won't get as many people, okay, uh, to engage with you, they won't feel that you are confident, they will think that you are hesitant, that you are constantly changing your mind on things. So one answer to one question, okay? And a simple clue, 
always make sure you just go with the first answer. That's all you need to do. But the best reason to repeat the question is that it allows you to also reframe the question to a question that may be more universal for the rest of the room, for the rest of your audience. So let's say, for example, you're talking to an audience of people about investments. And the one person asks a question. I mean, I live in Thailand, for example. So let's use Thailand as an example. And this person asks a question. What about investing in the Thailand stock market? Can you give us some advice on that? Well, as a speaker, you look across the room and you know there's probably only one person in this entire room that's investing in the Thai stock market. That's the guy who asked the question. So when you repeat the question, you have the opportunity to reframe the question and you'd say something like, well, the question is about international investments and many of us have money overseas or outside the United States or wherever you live. And now you have reframed the question from a question that appeals to just one person to a question that appeals to most of the audience. Make sense? Now, one of the biggest reasons people disengage during Q&A and lose engagement with you and you lose them completely is that they don't feel that the questions apply to them. Your repeating the question allows you to reframe the question so it applies to as many people as possible and that does help overcome that issue. And of course, as you've heard me say a few times in these sessions, during your presentation, it's okay to say things like, does that make sense? But do not, under any circumstances, ask the questioner if your answer was good for them, if it was satisfactory. Did that answer your question? Do not ever ask that question. Never say, does that answer your question? Alright? Don't forget that. Sounds crazy, you think? Well, when you ask that, you can't win. If they say yes, it answers your question, you did what you were supposed to do. But if they say no, you're in trouble. And there are some people who simply won't be satisfied. You know that as well as me. So never ask for satisfaction. Just give the best answer you can and move on. Okay? And the way to do that is that as you're answering the question, make really good eye contact with the person who asked the question. As you get near the end of your answer, start backing away. Start moving over the center line of the room. And when you finish your answer, stop, turn to the other side of the room and say, are there any other questions? When you do this, a couple of things will happen. As you turn, you'll direct the entire audience attention to the other side of the room. So even for this person that asks a question, is saying, wait, 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 I've got a follow-up question, he's got his hands in the air, you've directed everybody else's attention, right, across the room. But it's also great because it shows you're not answering questions only in one area of the room. I mean, if you keep looking at this person and keep standing over there, the person next to them might raise their hand as well, and then if you call on two people over here in a row, one of the people on the other side of the audience, they're probably thinking, hey, why in the heck did we sit over here? He's apparently not taking any questions on this side of the room. So if you back away across to the centre line of the room, finish the answer to your question, 
and then turn to the other part of the audience and say, are there any other questions? You are directing everybody's attention and people know that you're answering questions from all over the room. Okay, make sense? Now, by the way, if you speak in front of more than 20 people, I'm going to give you a great tip right here, and that is to take text questions. Now, I mentioned this earlier in the first part of Great Communication Secrets, but let me give you a bit more detail. You should actually put up a phone number on the screen and say, by the way, if you don't want to ask me a question in front of the group, maybe you're a bit shy about it or maybe you're not sure what people will think, feel free to text me. I'd love to take your questions by text. So then you can answer one or two questions in the room and then at some point say, well, let's see, let's see if I've got any questions via text. And you check your phone. Now, what this allows you to do is also to have some questions planted in your phone. That's going to give you an idea and a way that you can knock it out of the park. It works if nobody asks any questions. So it's a workable idea to take text questions. But there is a risk of losing your audience to other distractions on their phone. Be careful with that, right? And it works with the planted questions that you can build your credibility on your phone texts. But here is the best thing. It's very common for speakers to take questions and at some point they have to cut it off and they don't get to one of the questions. If those people are texting those questions in, you might get, say, three or four or five or six of them. But then what do you do after the presentation? Well, after finishing engagement with your audience and say, for example, you're in a taxi, then start answering your text questions. I mean, think about it. You've got two pieces of information. You know their phone number and you know their biggest issue. So if you can't turn that into a client, then you better lift your sales game, all right? Because remember, you're coming from a position of authority as the guest presenter. I mean, the very fact that you are taking the time to respond by answering or calling people who have texted questions creates not just an interested potential client, but also more than likely a raving fan. So take text questions from the stage. It's a great way to connect with your audience. By the way, the technique does not work if there's fewer than 20 people in the room. Because if there's fewer than 20 people in the room and you pull out your phone and you say, oh, I'm getting some text questions, and they look around and they say, no, you're not. We can't see anyone in the room's got their phone out. You just made a fool of yourself, right? It simply doesn't work. And here's another thing for you. There are times when you as a speaker will say, are there any questions? And the dreaded thing happens. Nobody will ask a question. And whether you like it or not, that looks pretty poorly for you as the speaker. It looks like you weren't fully engaging with your audience. But there's one way you can combat this, and that's not to surprise them with a Q&A anyway. You want to warn them five to ten minutes ahead of time that Q&A time is coming. So before you enter your last section of your content in your presentation, you can say, we're going to do this. It would be great if you had some questions. 
And so if you're thinking of a question, write it down, and then when we get to the Q&A section, you'll be ready to ask me. So you're giving them some time to think about it. Usually when you say, are there any questions, and nobody responds, they actually do have questions. They just haven't thought about the words yet, and nobody really wants to go first, which is why you should have a no question response. Now, what do I mean by that? What you say is this. Are there any questions? Don't look at awkward at all, right? Don't wait 10 seconds waiting for a question. Maybe perhaps a, a second or two, and then simply say, one of the most common questions I get is this, and ask a real common question that you can knock out of the park. So it sounds like this. Are there any questions? You know, one of the most common questions I get is this. Peter, how do we get people to listen to our sales presentations? And then give a great answer. When you get to the end of the answer, say, are there any other questions? And guess what? The audience won't even realise that that first question didn't come from them. Every time I've provided the first question and then after answering it, say, are there any other questions? For sure, you'll always see two or three hands up in the air after that first question. Why? Because I told you before, nobody wants to go first. And during that first question and answer, you actually gave them time to formulate a question they could ask you. So you look good because you just knocked one out of the park and you've got the flow of questions going and it works every single time. All right? Now, one last thought about this is that when you get a question from the audience, you should assess the relevance of that question to the rest of the audience. And the more relevant it is to the rest of the audience, the longer your answer should be. So if you get a question and you realise that everyone in the room would like an answer to that question, feel free to give a five-minute answer. But if you get a question you think that that person, and there's that only one in the room who wants to know, don't give a five-minute answer. You'll lose the entire room. Give a 10-second answer, and if a 10-second answer can answer it, say, that's a great question. Not something that we're going to talk about in front of this whole group. But I'd like to connect with you right after this presentation. So come and find me, and I'll get you the answer that you want to that question. All right? In other words, don't give long answers to irrelevant questions, and don't shortchange the questions that anybody has, even the ones that have irrelevant questions. Finally, make sure you know how to end your Q&A session. Now, a lot of people just say when the time is over, well, that's all the time we have. No more questions, thanks. But if there are six people with their hands up in the air, how do you think they feel right now? They feel like they got ripped off, right? So instead, before you take your last question, I want you to do two things. I want you to say, we have time for one more question. If I don't get to your question today, here's what you should do. And then you give them instructions. You can email me, or you can come and talk to me afterwards, or you can text me on a number. And mention to them that you'll be out in the hallway after the meeting, and, you can, and I'm more than happy to try and answer your question right then and there. So two things you make clear. We have time for one more question. If I didn't get to your question today, here's what you should do. Okay? 
So you're giving instructions and you're not ignoring anybody. Then you take the last question and you answer it and you answer it as well as you can. And when you finish, how many hands will be up in the air? None. Because you told them that was going to be the last question. So there's no awkward areas. Does that make sense? It's not impolite. It doesn't feel rude. And you can end it right there. But one more important thing. You should always have one last thing to say after Q&A because you should never leave your final words in the hands of an audience member. Because you never know whether they're going to ask a good question or a bad question, a relevant question, an irrelevant question, a political question or whatever. You don't know what they're going to ask when you call on them. So you don't want to put your final words to the audience in their hands. That's why you'll answer the last question and then you come back up the front and centre of the stage and you'll say, I have one final thought for you today. It doesn't have to be long. It can be inspirational. I mean, I have one final thought for you today. For example, your signature presentation could be the greatest marketing tool your business has. So go out there and make it amazing. It can be as short and as simple as that. And that's how you end a question and answer session, all right? Now in our next session, we're going to be talking about the importance of embedding. You might think, what in the heck is embedding all about? Well, this is how you maximise the opportunities of people engaging with you after you finish your presentation. And it's something I think you should never miss. Talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Internet Marketing Gunner Show with your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. For more great content, go online, peterbeckenham.com. We'll catch you next time.